Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Tackles and Turnovers. I'm your co-host, Steven. I'm here with my boy, Drew. This is episode seven, and we're going to be breaking down the final division in the NFC. Today, we're going to be covering the NFC South, a division that uh, definitely got a talent upgrade at quarterback. The Buccaneers swapped out Jameis Winston for some guy that's won six Super Bowl titles. So that'll be exciting to see for Tampa Bay fans that have been stuck in NFL hell for years and years with the worst winning percentage of all time you now get arguably or not arguably the best quarterback of all time and Tom Brady so we're going to be deep diving into each team Brady versus Breeze all the great wide receiver talent we have in the NFC South you know the Falcons are absolutely loaded on offense with first round picks and of course we're going to talk at the end about the Carolina Panthers a team that's in full rebuilding mode with a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback. And we have no, absolutely no idea how they're going to look. But first, <laughs> I mean, we got to start with the team in Tampa. The Buccaneers made the biggest free agent splash, maybe of all time by snagging Tom Brady uh, for two years, $50 million. He obviously left behind the Patriots after 20 amazing years. It still hurts me to talk about it. In fact, in my man cave, a Tom Brady photo that I had hanging actually fell the other day while I was writing about him. So I think that was a sign. Oh, sorry, Yeah, it boys. smashed. Sorry. As did my heart in my dreams um, for winning a seventh ring. But, you know, we're all in on Stidham. So. But sticking with, the, <laughs> sticking with the Bucks, you know, they obviously got Brady there at quarterback. That's a huge upgrade. He also even coaxed Rob Gronkowski out of, uh, you know, taking CBD medications and, you know, throwing South Beach parties uh, for spring break. So he's actually back as well. So both of those guys go from winning a Super Bowl title in 2018 with the Patriots. Two years later, they're going to be playing their football in Florida, which is pretty crazy. Um, you know, we did cover their draft earlier, um, and I believe it was our second and third episodes. They got a great right tackle prospect, Tristan Warfs, in the first round. Um, you know, they got Antoine Winfield Jr. to bolster their backfield. But obviously with the Bucks, what it all comes down to is that offense. And for me, I think they're absolutely loaded. I fully expect them to be in the top five, if not possibly number one, depending on if you think Tom Brady's washed up or not. When you look at the weapons he has at his disposal, I totally get why he left behind Bill Belichick and said, you know, suck it and went to South Florida or Florida because – he goes from having arguably the worst receiving core of his career last year to probably, I would say, a top three arsenal of weapons in the entire NFL. He has two 1,000-yard receivers in Evans and Godwin. He has his old trusted pal, Rob Gronkowski, who looks slim and trim and you know has had a year to get his body healthy. And he also has O.J. Howard, a first-round pick from 2017 that hasn't made quite the impact, but now he gets to catch passes from Tom Brady. That's the guy that I was pretty high on coming out of the draft. You know, they have Ronald Jones in the backfield, spent the third-round pick on Keyshawn Vaughn. This is a team that I really expect to take a huge step forward. You know, Tom Brady has a lot to prove, um, considering the last two years in New England weren't terrific for him, despite winning the Super Bowl the team really shifted to a run-based offense and he was kind of phased out of it to some degree. And last year he obviously was unhappy with what he had around him. And on the other side of the ball, defensively, they're actually pretty talented, you know, a little bit underrated. You know, you got Indomitian Sue and Vita Vea in the middle, Jason Pierre-Paul and his three fingers uh, at defensive end, Devin White, the first round pick from last year, very electric linebacker, Shaq Barrett, who came out of nowhere and had an amazing season as a pass rusher. And they also have Levante David there. So that front seven is really loaded. Their wide receiver core is loaded. They have two great tight ends and they have, of course, the GOAT, 
the man, the myth, the legend, Tom Brady. So, Andrew, you know, looking ahead at the Bucks, is this going to be all hype, or is this a team that legitimately is going to be contending for a Super Bowl? Right. Well, as you mentioned, obviously, the, the it starts with Tom Brady here, um, and his his one of his I'm going to say his best friend, Robert Gronkowski. Um, it starts with those two, and the only reason why I am hesitant on calling them, um, you know, Super Bowl favorites, um, is because you know, you see teams that, you know, form up during free agency period and whatnot. Um, and you don't necessarily see them click right off the bat, which could sometimes hurt them, especially since I feel like they're in a pretty good division this year um, with all the teams trending upwards. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm a little hesitant to say Super Bowl favorites, but reading the rundown as you just gave it, you have to you have to feel like they're at least gonna at least battle to the Super Bowl at the least. Um and so somewhere I really want to start is, you know, that their draft. I think they as we covered it in uh I think our first episode, um well, I, I really like their draft. I really love that they got Tristan Worfs. Um some people believe he's the best left tackle prospect in that draft. Um and now that he's gonna be protecting Tom Brady, which Basically, if you are able to protect Tom Brady, you are not going to stop him. We see it numerous times, um, even if you don't have him protected. You know, he's the master. And I could speak to you personally as a Finns fan. You, We've seen the constant story of Tom Brady and how he can never get there and how he always gets the ball out. So now that you're able to protect them with Tristan Wirfs and Ali Marpe and Donovan Smith, I think it's a, a line, offensive line that's trending upwards. Um, I really love the tape that I saw from Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, once I once I saw some tape from him, I really wanted the Dolphins to try to draft him, but I'm okay with their Matt Breda selection. Um, anyways, I don't want to get off topic here, but I feel like they definitely have to be in your thoughts of Super Bowl favorites, especially since you know they have such good coaching and Bruce Arians and you know Byron Leftwich, who is definitely up and coming. Um, and a defensive coordinator who I really love, Todd Bowles. I know he didn't really work out well with the Jets as a head coach. Um, but you saw – you and you can see the prowess that he has on defense and controlling that side of the ball. Um, and, you know, if you give him players like Ndamukong Sue and a player like Devin White, who's going to be your future leader of that defense, he's an absolute stud, and Jason Pierre-Paul with his three fingers, you, it's definitely – it's you, you – I don't want to say Super Bowl favorites or anything like that yet because it is too early um, and we haven't gone through each division, but it's definitely a team that's going to be there at the end, I feel like. Um, and, you know, it obviously we can only look at what's on paper and we need to see what's out on the field. Um, but Tom Brady and all those weapons and that defense that I feel like is definitely up and coming is is definitely probably going to be there. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. They're an absolutely loaded team. It is a little early. And you also have to consider the fact that because of the coronavirus pandemic, you know, it's going to put a wrench in all these offseason plans for these teams. So for a guy that's coming in at a new system and working with a new coach and a bunch of new weapons, we're going to have to see whether this really lives up to the hype because they don't have the amount of practice time together. You know, they, they've already missed that time where they'd have OTAs and things like that. So can they – 
you know, kind of put it all together during the season. Maybe they're a team that's going to peak later on. So don't be surprised if early on in the season, you know, things don't look quite as crisp and the timing's a little bit off and whatnot. But, you know, Tom Brady during his Patriots career, you know, that's kind of how things went. They kind of used the beginning of the season as a, you know, an extension of the preseason to, to, to some degree. And by the end, they typically in a, the Patriots under Bill Belichick with Tom Brady there would peak in December and ride into the playoffs with a number one seed first round bye, and, you know, play a couple games and end up in a Super Bowl. He's been there nine times before, which is actually going to be covered in a documentary series coming out on ESPN next year. Somehow the guy's still in the league and they're going to talk about his nine Super Bowl champions, uh, you know, not championships because he lost a couple of them. Uh, man in the arena, tech, take a look at that next year. Going to be interesting as a Pats fan to see the highs and lows, but you know, we'll see if Tom Brady gets a seventh ring. Right, and real quick, we talked about it a little bit. We saw reports coming out of Tampa Bay that Tom Brady was already working with his receivers, and that's something that, you know, I love to see, especially as a young, inspiring coach. Um, You love to see that quarterback grab the players and, you know, just get that rapport with them. Um, And the fact that they're already great wide receivers, and obviously with Tom Brady being great, um, it's definitely a good thing, and it's definitely going to counterbalance a little bit the coronavirus um, that's you know there and prohibiting teams to get together. I mean, we see Tom Brady just say "f you" and you know just get them together and work because that's what Tom Brady does, man. And you know you can't you have to love that Tom Brady's a dog and he works hard as fuck. Like you have to give him credit and that he's doing that with this Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You definitely see it turning around. And it's crazy to think that he's already doing that with the Bucks, where he famously the last two years um, did not participate fully in the offseason, something that he had done throughout his entire career in New England. So that really spoke of volumes about perhaps his unhappiness with Bill Belichick and his contract situation and the, the weapons he had. So this guy's totally rejuvenated, revived, refreshed. He's living in Derek Jeter's house. He's playing with his old boy, Rob Gronkowski, <laughs> and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I'm sorry. I love Randy Moss and Wes Welker, but – uh, I would honestly put these two right up there, talent wise. They're young, and Mike Evans is an absolute that's, beast. I mean, that's gonna. That's be- what I was gonna. I was gonna ask you that. You know, you saw that Patriots team with you know Randy Moss and Wes Welker, and would you? It's. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I think it's an interesting question to ask a Patriots fan. Would you take the team that he has now? And obviously, you kind of have to take into consideration how much older Tom Brady is. But I feel like he might have a better team here in Tampa than he probably did when he went almost undefeated um, in that season. I'm, the season's escaping me. but 2007, you know, I don't like to talk about yeah. it, but I will acknowledge it. Um, <laughs> right. I, I actually it, – it pains me to say it because I don't think any of those players measure up to Randy Moss. But, in, but overall, right. as, an, as an offensive infrastructure – I actually would take the talent from this team, uh, his Buccaneers team in 2020. Reason being, I don't care that Rob Gronkowski is old. That guy, I'm assuming, you know, has done well to take care of his body. And it looks like he's gotten healthy and he's rejuvenated as well. Right. The difference between this team and that team was they didn't have tight ends of that caliber. And their running back was Lawrence Maroney, who was actually not bad at that time, but he flamed out very quickly. Now, Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn, I wouldn't really say they're that much better, but they're second and third round picks. Um, but the, the tight end trio, actually, when you consider Cameron Brait, who's actually a pretty good tight end and has a lot of production, when you have those three tight ends, especially OJ Howard, who I think is going to have a huge season, a big breakout, like Tom Brady loves tight ends. And 
Bruce Arians has to be smart enough to scheme that. Um, the offensive line is is also very, very good. Ryan Jensen is one of the best centers in the NFL. Um, Ali Marpet, a, a top guard at left guard. You have Tristan Warfs, as we said. So I would say the offensive line is pretty comparable to what he had on that 07 season. But when you consider, you know, two 1,200, 1,300-yard receivers, and they were doing that with Jameis Winston. So I can only imagine, like, how much more efficient yeah. they're going to be, especially someone like Chris Godwin, who I think is going to be an absolute star with Tom Brady as far as being a great route runner and working the middle of the field. You have Mike Evans out wide. He hasn't had any player like that since Randy Moss, and we saw what happened when they hooked up together. Mike Evans is a physical freak, six foot five, even bigger than Randy Moss. So, I mean, when you consider, like, the red zone weapons he's going to have with O.J. Howard, Gronk, and Mike Evans – I mean, that's – I think all three of those guys are about 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. So, I think this team has more talent overall, like on offense. It's just the fact that we have no idea how he's going to do in a new system with a new coach. I mean, the Belichick factor can't be ignored. But ultimately, I would not be shocked to see Tom Brady respond with like a 40-touchdown season, something similar to when Peyton Manning left the Colts because of the neck injury and no one kind of knew what was going to happen. And then he went off and broke like the passing touchdown record. Uh, I, w- I honestly wouldn't be shocked to see it. It would kind of hurt me a little bit because I I feel like as a Patriots fan, we we probably could have still stuck around with him. But ultimately, I understand why, like for the long-term sake of the franchise, it was time to move on. And it seemed like Tom didn't really want to be there anymore. So I'm really excited, honestly, to see the Bucs. Um, and for me, their chief competition is, is certainly going to come from another future Hall of Fame quarterback, and that's Drew Brees who the Saints brought back for a two-year deal, but most people kind of expect and know that he's going to be gone after this year. He's most likely retiring. They have a very interesting quarterback depth chart behind him with Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. Um, Hill being the guy that's been super hyped this offseason as the successor, which I think is absolutely insane considering the guy's never thrown a touchdown pass. Uh, But the Saints are back. They're loaded. They added Emmanuel Sanders, so they're keeping up in the arms race. They have Michael Thomas, the best receiver in the NFL. I don't care what Devontae Parker wants to talk about on Twitter. I mean, do it for more than a season, my guy. Um, but <laughs> the Saints have an absolutely loaded offensive line. They have three first-round picks that are projected starters. Their center, Eric McCoy, was an excellent um, center. You know, guy as a rookie. Teron Armstead, one of the best tackles in the NFL, left tackles when he's healthy. So he has great protection up front. Jared Cook, you know, he can match right up there with Gronk, um, considering Jared Cook is kind of like, you know, in his prime, and Gronk is definitely past that. I mean, you got Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray is an excellent, you know, tandem in the backfield. I think their offense is absolutely loaded. We know Sean Payton is a great head coach. Um, So I fully expect that offense to be even better and they might even, you know, try and shift a little bit more to a running game, obviously with taking a guard in the first round and Cesar Ruiz. So, you know, to me, that signals that they really know that protecting Drew Brees and maybe taking a little bit of pressure off him to help him stay healthy can help a lot on defense. They're also very loaded in the front seven. They have three first rounders up front. They have a solid secondary with veterans, Janoris Jenkins, Malcolm Jenkins was a really nice addition, bringing him back. Marshawn Lattimore hopefully can rebound. They're very, very deep there in the secondary. Uh, for me, I, you know, it's it's crazy to think that Drew Brees has only won one Super Bowl title, and it's awesome to see that he and Tom Brady are going to get to play each other twice now, and then possibly more deeper into the postseason. I think he's he's his legacy is honestly underrated. Um, I think Drew Brees, you know, from some, some circumstances beyond his control, you know, a couple postseason, you know, flips of the coin or, you know, if, you know, Marcus Williams doesn't take out 
his own defensive player and let Stephon <laughs> Diggs make the miracle in, in Minneapolis catch. I mean, Drew Brees definitely should have been in a Super Bowl in the last three years, in my opinion. So I'm stoked to see this because I think what they should do is when they play each other a second time, I think the loser should have to retire immediately after the game. That's just my opinion. Um, put put some damn money on the line. Put your career on the line. Loser goes home. Loser Loser calls it a career. Uh, but I think the Saints are going to be easily one of the top three seeds in the NFC. I think they have one of the most complete rosters. Their defensive line is excellent. Their offense has no holes at all. They have every position, you know, set with running back, tight end, quarterback, offensive line, wide receiver. There really are no holes on this team. To me, it all comes down to them playing clutch in the postseason, which unfortunately they've had a couple of their playoff runs end in like unceremonious fashion. So, this is probably it for Drew Brees. One year and he's probably done. So can he get over the hump? Can the Saints, you know, at least get to the Super Bowl? I mean, the fact that he's only made one trip to me is insane. But and that happened, uh, I believe that was in 2009 that they won. So it's been over a decade, um, kind of similar to Aaron Rodgers. It was kind of a one and done deal. And then they never made it back. And they put up great set stats throughout the years. They've won MVPs. They make Pro Bowls every year. They're fantasy studs. But it, to me, it all matters in the postseason. That's where Tom Brady has the edge. Right. And, you know, we were talking about the Buccaneers with, you know, them probably having like the best receiving core. I feel like the Saints probably now, um, especially with drafting Caesar Reeds, probably might have the best O-line of of this division. Um, you're definitely right. Teron Armstead is probably one of the best left tackles in the game when healthy. Andres P is nothing to sleep on. Eric McCoy had so much success last year. Um, and then drafting Cesar Ruiz, who, you know, a lot of you guys were kind of questioning whether as to why they were drafting a center so early. Um, you know, obviously they, you know, they lost a player. I can't remember his name right now, but they'll just slide in a, a first round pick there at right guard. And then R- Ryan Ramschuk, who's probably the best right tackle that named Lane Johnson. Um, definitely gives Drew Brees enough time to do, you know, whatever he does surgically to, uh, move the ball downfield, and you know, I, I, the, Drew Brees has greatness that you know a lot of us don't really talk about, um, and it's very unfortunate. Um, he only has one Super Bowl, but you're definitely right; he definitely could have gotten to, like at least one of the past two years, at the least, if not both. Um, so you know, his running game, obviously, with Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara took a step back last year. Um, I think he was, you know, battling the injury bug a little bit there. Um, but Latavius Murray there to back him up and Ty Montgomery, I think, are very good backup running backs in case the same happens again. Um, that defense, just looking at the defensive line, I feel like it's very good defensive line with Cameron Jordan, obviously, um, a superstar edge rusher. Um, Sheldon Rankins, Malcolm Brown from your New England Patriots. I feel like they're definitely going to be a good defense again. Uh, Demario Davis also – you know, quarterbacking that defense there at linebacker. Um, and, you know, we see so much with Marshawn Lattimore. Um, I think his rookie year, he was probably one of the better cornerbacks in the league and not so much um, the year after that. Uh, but we saw him come back a little bit last year. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see which Marshawn Lattimore we get this season. Um, but that defense is stacked. This offense is stacked. Um, you know, when you have Sean Payne and you have Drew Brees and they work together to create offensive plays, um, it's 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 only rivaled by Tom and Bill Belichick, and that's not going on anymore. 
Um, so you have to you have to kind of understand how Drew Brees and how Sean Payne are both going to be working together um, to see them keep their um, window open of Super Bowl runs. And I think obviously I don't think it's going to close any. You know, obviously Drew Brees is getting old, but as long as he's there and he's with Sean Payne, I feel like their Super Bowl window will be open for, you know, for as long as they're there, especially with the emergence of Michael Thomas being a beast. And one thing I will say about Michael Thomas and Devontae Parker, if you're Michael Thomas, why are you shit talking Devontae Parker? Like, and you know, if you're Devontae Parker, you obviously have to be smart enough to not go at probably the best wide receiver in the league. But why aren't you going after someone like, you know, Mike Evans or, um, you know, Julio Jones or something like that? Dude, and, take it up a notch and call AB out on Twitter and see if he shows up to your d- house. Ex- exactly. Like, have some have some balls. Like, you know, Devontae has been struggling and only has one breakout year. And, you know, I don't want to talk too much shit because I have Michael Thomas on my fantasy team. And I like Michael Thomas a lot. But, you know, I feel like his shit talking is kind of getting a little boring. Um, but it is what it is with, with Michael Thomas. And I really like the new Orleans saints. I still think the Buccaneers might be edging them out. Um, but you know, I'm taking a little gamble on that one. Yep. And interestingly from a draft perspective or draft pedigree or whatever you want to call it, those two teams might not even have as much talent as the Atlanta Falcons folks, because (laughs) Obviously, Matt Ryan is nowhere near the quarterback that Tom Brady or Drew Brees is, although I think he is solid, and I think he actually is a little underrated. Um, a little bit of that Matthew Stafford to him, but he just unfortunately doesn't come up in the clutch. But when you look at the Falcons and their projected starting lineup, every single one of their 11 starters is a former first-round pick. <laughs> Everyone. It's absolutely Every single it's never one. been done before. So I'm going to go through their starting lineup real quick. At quarterback, Matt Ryan was a third overall pick, 2008. Todd Gurley signed with them, obviously first-round pick um, a few years ago. They traded for Hayden Hurst, another former first-round pick, to start at tight end. All five of their starting offensive linemen are all first-round picks. Two of them were first-rounders last year. Jake Matthews was a first-rounder in 2014. Alex Mack and James Carpenter, two veterans that were first-round picks from different organizations a few years back. Calvin Ridley, another former first-round pick, and obviously Julio Jones, a first-round pick as his starting wide receiver tandem. And then as your third wide receiver, um, as your brother knows all too well, former Vikings disappointing first-round pick Laquan Treadwell. So, <laughs> I was about to say Laquan Treadwell was also so, a first-round you know, pick. <laughs> I wouldn't be excited to see him on the field, but my God, I mean, there's absolutely no way that guy can't catch at least 20 passes as a third target behind them. So on paper, the Falcons actually boast the most talented offense in this division. Now, as we know, Hayden Hurst really hasn't lived up to first round billing. There's a reason why the Ravens got rid of him after a couple of years, because Mark Andrews has been 10 times more effective on the field. Um, Caleb McGarry and Chris Lindstrom, who were their two first round offensive line picks last year, uh, had a lot of injury issues. Didn't really contribute much. Um, Alex Mack is getting up there in age. James Carpenter was a first round pick. He's a decent guard. He's not anything special, solid. Jake Matthews, again, solid, but nothing Mm -hmm. special. Todd Gurley, no one has any clue what's going on with his knees. I don't even think he does. All I know is that that guy still wants to get paid by the Rams. Um, (laughs) Matt Ryan, we know has been around the league for a while. I'm actually going to be covering, uh, his comments on Tom Brady joining the division for sportscasting.com. So check that out later this week. 
you know, he's been there entering his 13th year, you know, had an MVP season before. They obviously had a tremendous collapse against none other than my New England Patriots and Tom Brady and probably the greatest Super Bowl game ever played and the best fourth quarter and overtime period I've ever seen. Tom Brady literally became Jesus on the field in that moment for me. I've never seen a quarterback just lock and load like that. So, you know, and then obviously Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, that's another great receiver tandem. So that's the great thing about this division. You have three sets of like two, uh, three sets of receivers for each team that are, you could argue either way would be uh, tops in the league. You know, Julio Jones, you could argue out of all the receivers in the NFL and especially in the NFC South individually probably is the most talented out of all of them. And obviously has done this for quite a long time. Calvin Ridley broke out last season. And I think he's a very, very solid number two receiver, another first round pick. You know, you go against the, the Godwin and Evans duo in Tampa. You have Emmanuel Sanders and Michael Thomas in, in New Orleans. So the, the, the NFC South is absolutely loaded with offensive talent, especially at the receiver position. If you don't have one of those six guys on your fantasy team, you might as well not even play at this point. So for me, the Falcons offense, it should on paper should be very good. They should have no problem scoring. Now, hopefully they understand how to throw to Julio Jones in the red zone because I have no idea how this guy doesn't have 100 touchdowns in his career at this point. Um, a lot of that has to do with horrible play calling and, they, and you know, getting rid of Steve Sarkeesian is good. They have Dirk Cutter, who honestly is not exciting me at all. But Dan Quinn is coaching for his yeah, life right so now. This guy somehow stick, stuck around despite losing the Super Bowl with like a 95% chance of winning. Um but for me, the, the bigger issue with the Falcons and why I have them a distant third in this division is their defense. Um, they're, they're, they have no pass rush at all other than Grady Jarrett, who is a very, very good defensive tackle. Uh, they did sign Dante Fowler, who played for Dan Quinn at Florida. Go Gators. But I'll be honest, Dante Fowler is extremely overrated. The guy only really broke out a little bit when he played on the best defensive line in football with the Rams. He had Indomitian Sue and, and, and Aaron Donald inside. So the guy was basically going unblocked most of the time. Uh, Charles Harris, who is a former uh, Dolphin, is there as well. I mean, you you know all too well the guy is very disappointing. So, also, also a first-round exactly, pick. Exactly, so is Tack McKinley, who's <laughs> also a first-round pick. So they basically have three first-round DNs that have combined for, like, five sacks in their careers. It's, like, incredible. Um, oh, my God. And then we obviously didn't like the A.J. Terrell pick at corner. To, uh, I believe he was 16th overall in the draft. Deion Jones is a good linebacker, uh, you know, if he can stay healthy. Keanu Neal was a very talented safety prospect and he's entering, you know, another season where he comes off a major injury. So for me, I just don't like their defense. They never stay healthy. None of those guys. And in general, most of their players are pretty disappointing considering where they've been drafted. So for me, I just don't see them being able to stop any of these other offenses, especially with the saints and bucks. So for me, the Falcons are a distant third, you know, they're going to be a team that's going to be in a lot of shootouts in my opinion, I think against other teams, they'll be able to hang because they have so much talent on offense, but that defense does nothing for me. I don't see them really being a legit playoff squad. I see them kind of being more of a 500 team because the rest of the division is very strong, especially with the two teams we've already covered. Yeah, this team definitely, you know, with with all the first-round picks they have, um, you definitely – you this definitely has to be the year with Dan Quinn probably on the hot seat. If he doesn't get it done, um, with this team. Um, and it's a, definitely unfortunate because we think both the Buccaneers and the Saints are going to be better than this team. But um, if he doesn't get it done this year, it, I feel like he's definitely going to be gone. Um, you, don't, you don't bring in 
all these first round picks or whatever um, and not be able to do something with them. And you're totally right about Dirk Cutter. Um, I don't know how he got a job. Um, I I don't get excited with him either. Um, I don't have really any faith in him being able to call plays for Matt Ryan. I hope Matt Ryan hears the plays and was like, okay, fuck this. We're going to add lib to this. Um, and, you know, that they can't get the ball to Julio Jones is definitely something that's very frustrating, um, especially with me my, and, you know, you for sure uh, being fantasy football fans. Um, there's just no reason why Julio Jones should not be targeted more in the red zone. The guy's an absolute beast. You could try to triple cover him, but he's still going to outjump every one of them um, and come down with that ball. Um, Todd Gurley is definitely going to be the X factor going into this season. Um, you know, obviously, I don't understand how nobody knows what's going on with his knees. Um, it doesn't. It just doesn't make any sense to me how we know about everybody else's injuries, but all of a sudden we can't find out what's going on with Todd Gurley. It doesn't make any sense. Um, looking on their defense, their defense is definitely average to below average for sure. Um, they only have probably like three players that I like on that defense, which is Grady Jarrett. Um, Deion Jones, I think, is a really good middle linebacker. Um, and Keanu Neal, I know he's always injured, but, you know, we were calling this guy uh, baby Cam chancellor, and I think that's pretty accurate with how big he is and how he's able to run. Um, so this, I don't have much else to say about the Atlanta Falcons. I don't. I hope that they are good because I do like Matt Ryan a lot and Julio Jones, obviously. Um, but, again, it's, it's a little – we, we have to cons- take into consideration the coaching and how they're going to be able to manage this team. And that's a big thing in the NFL. You could have all the talent in the world, but if you can't call the right plays at the right time, you're not going to be successful in this league at all. Very well said. And considering we've talked about two hall of famers and Drew Brees and Tom Brady entering the, you know, in the division, when you look at Matt Ryan, just taking a look at specifically him, you know, he's won an MVP. He's made multiple pro bowls. He, has made a Super Bowl appearance. The guy has over 300 passing touchdowns in his career, over 50, 51,000 passing yards, just perennially hits over 4,500 yards every year. Do you think that Matt Ryan belongs in the Hall of Fame? Um, the guy also never misses any games. Last year was the first time, which I think this is a pretty incredible stat. He has played all 16 games in every season except his second year where he missed two games, and last year he missed one game. Other than that, the guy's missed three games in 12 years as a starter. He throws for over 4,000 yards every year. He throws for basically about 30 touchdowns every year. Puts up great stats. You know, he has a winning record. They've had – he's gone 109 and 80 as a starter. But, you know, the lack of a Super Bowl championship. If he had to retire after this season, do you think Matt Ryan should be a Hall of Famer? I that the reason why I hesitate is because you know those numbers are definitely enough to put him in there, um, but unfortunately he plays a position where we count those things. We count how many times he's been in the Super Bowl. We count how many playoff wins he has. Um, and you know, like I said earlier, I really do like Matt Ryan. I really do. I think he's a great quarterback. Um, I loved watching him when he was in Boston College as well. Um, and I was really hoping the Dolphins would take him there uh, in uh, what year was it? In 2000 2008. got Jake Long instead. Um, How did that work Unfortunately, out? yeah, we went Jake Long, and, you know, that was magnificent. Psych. Um, but, you know, I 
I have to hesitate there, and I I really don't know, man. I don't vote for. Obviously, I don't vote for Hall of Fame. If if it were up to me, I feel like I would put him in there just because of those numbers. Um, but we, it just sucks that you haven't been able to see any sort of. You know, I know he took his team to the Super Bowl, but you know that was just once. You know, and you know his team has kind of. It hasn't been mediocre. It's been better than mediocre, obviously, but. You know, it's it just seems like he's put up a bunch of numbers on on teams that he hasn't been able to really take anywhere. So unfortunately, you know, that's there. But to me, I feel like Matt Ryan is potentially a Hall of Famer later on down the road. He's definitely not a first ballot, if that's the question. Yeah, I, I totally agree with yeah. you there. It kind of falls in that Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford kind of category where they have some great numbers and they're pretty consistent in that they, they win games during the regular season, not Matthew Stafford as much, but we've already talked about that. Tune into the NFC North podcast that we did. I destroyed Matt Patricia, but (laughs) for me as a hall of fame quarterback, I think winning Super Bowl titles matters. And in this day and age, putting up 4,000 yards passing, it does not mean the same as it did 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Exactly. Uh, you exactly. also looked at he's turned the ball over quite a bit, uh, 147 interceptions in his career. And the fact that he's really only had one deep postseason run, it, that speaks volumes to me. The guy's four and six as a starter in the playoffs. In his first three trips, they were one and done. And they haven't made the playoffs in the last two seasons. So until the Falcons get over the top and win a title, I think Matt Ryan's on the outside looking in. Maybe he makes it down the line, like you said, not a first ballot Hall of Famer at all for me. But the Falcons definitely have, on paper, as much talent as possible for them to make a leap this year with all 11 of their starters being former first-round picks on offense. So we'll see if Matt Ryan can translate that regular season success into postseason success. But for me, I think they're, they're, they're looking on the outside you know, maybe they could sneak into that seventh wild card spot, but you know, we love the NFC West as we talked about. You know, for me, that that has yeah, the NFC. I think that's gonna, the NFC is yeah, I think that's going to feature three three playoff teams right there. You know, you you take the other division winners, and obviously, I think the Bucks and the Saints are making the playoffs. You know, I think they're going to be on the outside looking in, and then finally, in the NFC South, we're going to wrap up with the Carolina Panthers, and I think you made a great point earlier, uh, uh, just a key phrase that you used in that. All four teams are looking up, you know. This is a team that despite being in a in basically a full rebuild, it seems like they have a, you know, a pretty decent plan. And I kind of like what they did this offseason. So they obviously hired Matt Rule, who turned around Baylor and was previously at Temple. Um, you know, very successful in terms of rebuilding. So And the, the Panthers put a lot of money and a lot of years into making sure that this guy is going to be the one to stick around. They hired Joe Brady. Who is the who was the passing game coordinator at LSU? Who single handedly transformed their offense into the most historic record setting offense of all time? He obviously took Joe Burrow from being a late round prospect to the number one pick. You know they had a huge draft class that was star studded with you know Clyde Hilaire Edwards and um, Justin Jefferson and all these guys. So and as I've spoken about before, Joe Brady was actually a high school teammate of mine. Very intelligent guy, very young, up and coming. He's going to be a head coach within the next three years, in my opinion. So I think if you're a Panthers fan, you've got to be excited because it's just such a stark difference from what was going on with Ron Rivera and Cam Newton, where you were a run-based offense with a quarterback who is not accurate, who was injured throughout the rest of his career, 
they didn't really seem to have a plan as far as building an offense with weapons and, and their system. Now you bring in Teddy Bridgewater, who I would – I think it's a stretch to say he's a franchise quarterback because he just hasn't had as, a, a lot of playing time, obviously, since his catastrophic injury. But he showed enough when New Orleans, and I like him because he's very accurate. And I think when you look at Joe Brady's system, that's what they value is a guy that has enough mobility, but his most important trait has to be accuracy – you know, intelligence, toughness, leadership, all that kind of stuff. I think he's a great fit there. They also signed P.J. Walker, who played quarterback for Matt Rule at Temple, and he was a star in the XFL before it went underway. So don't sleep on that. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, he was awesome. So I wouldn't rule that out. He obviously (laughs) knows, you know, no one knows him better than his college head coach. And they also have Will Greer, who was a third rounder last year, but that's a different regime. And he didn't really look that great when he did get on the field a little bit in the preseason and during the regular season. But then obviously they, they lock up Christian McCaffrey, who is an absolutely perfect fit for Joe Brady's system. He can catch the ball. We all know that. I fully expect him to take his game to even another level. For me, no-brainer, number one pick in fantasy, if you're especially in a PPR league. Um, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, that gives him two very, very athletic, speedy targets. They also have uh, Curtis Samuel, who's another, like, versatile, quick, fast guy. Like, I can just see, like, right, like yeah, a little I gadget see, player. Joe there. Brady's system with the guys that they have, like, who are all very, very good after the catch, who are really fast. I see them opening up this offense, totally transforming it from what it's looked like in the last few years with Cam Newton. My biggest concern is the offensive line. It is not impressive at all. Russell Okung, is, they brought in at left tackle, but they traded him for Trey Turner, who's a much better player. So they downgraded at guard to get an upgrade at tackle. They had just spent a second-round pick on Greg Little last year, who now looks like he's going to be on the bench. That's not a great sign. The rest of their offensive line, to me, doesn't really impress me, other than Matt Paradis, who is a, a, a pretty solid center. So the offensive line is going to be something to watch there, especially with Teddy Bridgewater. You know, he's had a devastating knee injury before. On the other side, though, I actually like their defense. Um, Their front seven is very talented. Derek Brown, we both loved. Excellent pick by them. No brainer. That's the freaking similar to Christian Wilkins. You know, you want that guy to be the first guy off the bus. And that's the guy that you want to, you know, uh, you know, put your fist on the table for to be your first guy that you're going to take as a new regime. You know, he's going to set the tone. They got another pass rusher in the second round from Penn State, Gross Matos. Um, Brian Burns was very good as a rookie, as a pass rusher. You know, that's going to be – I think that tandem could be excellent. And you have Kwan Short, who, you know, it wasn't too long ago we were talking about him as one of the best D tackles in the NFL. So their front seven is really good. Shaq Thompson, former first-round pick, you know, takes over those duties. However, they lost Luke Keekley to retirement. The guy had had several concussions, you know, probably more than we don't even know. So that's a huge loss. I mean, let's be honest. Luke Keekley, when healthy, is probably the best middle linebacker in the NFL. So now Shaq Thompson, Shaq Thompson is going to have to take on more of that role as a leader. We'll see what happens. Their secondary is also somewhere where that could get them into trouble. Dante Jackson does have a lot of upside entering his third year. Pretty good playmaker. Jeremy Chin, I liked as a second-round pick this year. A good, you know, playmaker, athletic at safety. But for me, the issue is more their back seven and their offensive line. Um, Overall, I think they're heading in the right direction. It's going to take another year or two for me to really, you know, be able to say that they're a playoff contender or where they're going to be at. I I honestly have absolutely no idea how the Panthers are going to do this year. But I think they're kind of building the team that they want based on 
what we've seen their coaches do successfully in college. And I think they're definitely trending in the right direction. Cause for me, for years, I honestly thought the Panthers are kind of just treading water. They didn't really know what to do with cam. They didn't know what to do at receiver. Uh, you know, the defense had kind of shifted from being like an elite unit to kind of more middle of the pack. So they've invested a ton in, in, in younger players. You know, they have a ton of free agent college free agents that are on this roster right now that are going to compete for time. They had a solid draft and now it's, it's going to be very interesting to see Matt rule because not every college coach that makes it to the NFL is able to do it successfully. And they basically have an entire new coaching staff of guys that just spent, you know, the last year in, in college. So they don't have anyone that's really been working in the NFL. In fact, the only guy that you could really say is Chase Blackburn's their special teams coordinator who played linebacker in the NFL. But Joe Brady, uh, you know, had a very brief two year run with the saints as like a low level assistant, you know, Phil Snow and Matt rule were working together um, and have a relationship from college. So, you know, that's a huge leap. And to me, it boils down to, how is Teddy Bridgewater able to do as, you know, a full-time starter? Can their offensive system work, you know, and then is that defense capable of reaching, you know, elite status again? So Andrew, you know, what are your thoughts on the Panthers, their direction? And, you know, how do you expect Teddy Bridgewater to do now that he's finally a a starter again? Yeah. um, You know, I really, you know, I really like this Carolina Panthers team. Um, obviously, they're, you know, 10 times as young as they were, um, even from three months ago. Um, but you have to look at all the players that they lost over the offseason. Losing Luke Keekley, such a big blow. Losing, you know, Cam Noon, who was hurt last year, <clears throat> that's also such a big blow. Um, and then even players that, you know, might not have been producing so much stat-wise, but just our high character leader kind of guys um, like Greg Olson, who went to the sea, the Seahawks, um, you know, it's just, it's definitely a lot of losses there. So this team is definitely going to be very young going forwards. Um, I really do like their uh, wide receivers. They all of them have speed. Um, you know, DJ Moore is such an X factor when he has the ball in his hands, he just changes into a running back. Um, and then to pair him with the best running back in the game, yeah, the best in Christian McCaffrey, who got signed to a monster deal, um, is just you know it's it's definitely exciting, you know. And with Teddy Bridgewater, um, just such a high character guy that you know I feel like a lot of people want to see succeed, especially um, with the way that he went down in Minnesota, um, and then how he rejuvenated his career last year in New Orleans. I think. Um, he's definitely good enough to build a team around to win, you know, to have some sort of success. I don't know if I want to say you can win a Super Bowl with Teddy Bridgewater yet, um, just because there are a few question marks that need to be answered. Um, because so many things are masks, masked by um, Sean Payton's offense, now I feel like we'll be able to see um, just how good Teddy Bridgewater could be, especially since he's undoubtedly the guy with, you know, a first-year offensive coordinator with Joe Brady, who I don't have any concerns with. I feel like his offense is um, perfectly geared towards the pro pro NFL. Um, and, you know, you saw it last year with probably the best offense that we've ever seen in collegiate football. I think it's going to translate pretty well to the pros. Um, I really like Matt Rule as a head coach. I like what he was able to do over at Baylor, especially when he took over. Um with all their shit going down in uh, Baylor. I like the way he turned around that program. 
Um, the defense, uh, I still like. I still kind of like this defense. I don't think it. It obviously it's not as good as years before, but um, when you're able to bring in a, a force of Derek Brown um, and Jeremy Chin, who I feel like is baby Isaiah Simmons um, from this draft, I feel like they had a really good draft. And you know, we covered it um, in the first po- podcast of our of our series. Um, they they drafted all defense. Um, whether it's going to work out, I like the fact that they drafted all defense and I like that defense got a little attention there. Cause you never see, you know, defenses get drafted so high. You always talk about the quarterbacks and the offenses. So it's very nice to see a lot of players get drafted for their defense. I think they drafted a lot of good players that are going to step in there. Um, I really like Shaq Thompson. Um, I think he's had great linebackers to learn from with Thomas Davis um, who left two years ago um, with Luke Keekley, who's had a surprising leave. Um, I do like Tahir Whitehead, um, who I believe was with the uh, Tennessee Titans, I think, last year, um, or probably the, the Raiders. Um, but I, I like I like that they were able to bring in some players and have some other young and up- upcoming players kind of take the reins, and we'll see how they go there. Um, Brian Burns had a great – season i mean i don't want to echo what you said but um you know it's this team is definitely on the bottom of the division um uh, but that's not because they're bad or anyway it's clearly just a rebuild um i like that they're trending upwards every team in this division i feel like is trending upwards if i had to pick one that's probably going to be probably like in the gutter i would probably say the falcons in terms of you know i just listen i like all the offense that they got. I like every first round pick that they have there um, on the offensive side of the ball. But, you know, for me, coaching is such a big thing in the NFL. Um, and I think we might see them kind of battle it out with these Panthers for the last spot in the division. Um, obviously, you know, with players like Matt Ryan, um, you know, it gives them a hedge over uh, the Carolina Panthers, but, you know, for me, it all comes down to coaching and then your quarterback. If you have a good coach, okay, great. Now do you have a quarterback that could go out there um, and play the way that the coach coaches the team? Um, and that's kind of what we see here with the Panthers um, with Matt Rule. I know he's very offensive-centric. Um, and then to bring in Joe Brady, I think it's going to be a very good thing for these Panthers. Um, they have very good players, young and up-and-coming players. Um, so only time will tell. Yeah, and that's going to be an interesting, you know, long-term project for the Panthers is to rebuild in the post-Cam Newton days. You know, they haven't invested a high pick in a, on a quarterback. You know, they went the free agent route with Teddy Bridgewater, which I think is very smart. It doesn't preclude them in the future from, you know, taking someone else and, and building around that. But for now, it keeps them competitive. Um, it gives him a chance to prove himself. And he has decent weapons to work with. You have probably the best overall running back in the NFL and Christian McCaffrey. You have a lot of speedy weapons. Robbie Anderson, I think, could be much better not playing for Adam Gase, which seems to be the theme for any player that's ever played for Adam Gase. And, you know, we could be talking about, you know, (laughs) consider this. You have Tom Brady and and Drew Brees currently, you know, leading that division. They're not going to be around for more than two or three years. And in Brees' case, he might be gone after this year. So that division, it might be opened up much sooner than people anticipate. And the Panthers are really the team that's, building for the future a lot of these other teams are kind of built to win now the saints are built to win now with emmanuel sanders and drew Brees. 
Um, you know, the Bucks, you know, Tom Brady and Gronk, they're not going to be around for more than a couple of years, if that. Um, the Panthers are the team that ultimately, maybe four years from now, three, four years from now, they're the team that might take over. And this is a division that has seen a lot of uh, turnover over time. They rarely have teams that win back-to-back NFC South titles. It's a lot of times, you know, the, the Falcons were the hot team a few years ago. Then the Saints, like, totally killed it in the draft, and they, they've been kind of dominating. You know, the Bucs were actually pretty good back in the early 2000s. The Panthers were also had their, their string of, you know, going to a Super Bowl, going to the playoffs annually with when Cam was in his prime. So this is a division where this season is, <laughs> is, is going to be amazing to watch Breeze and Brady battle it out. The Falcons maybe in the background challenging for a playoff spot with Matt Ryan in a loaded offense. But the Panthers are the team that they might not make a lot of noise this year. But I think they're building something exciting that we're going to be watching for years to come. And the NFC South ultimately has got to be one of the top divisions in football talent-wise, especially on offense. Uh, for me, I think the Buccaneers are going to win that division. The Saints are going to be right behind them. The Falcons will be in third. But I wouldn't be surprised to see the Panthers excite, uh, you know, kind of exceed expectations. So that's going to do it. Yeah. Right. And, you know, maybe, maybe you know, because the Panthers are so young, we could completely, you know, sometimes there's that team that, you know, just just can't get a break, you know, that all, all these things just start to snowball. You know, what if maybe they were, get in a position where they're able to upgrade a quarterback over the draft because, you know, you bring up the Teddy Bridgewater thing and how he, you know, was just signed as a free agent. Um, and I don't know how exactly how old he is, you know, poor planning on my part, but – I'm just spitballing here. What if they're able to get in a position where they're able to take Trevor Lawrence or Josh Fields? You know, the next quarterback class is going to be very deep, I feel like. And I know we're months away from it, but, you know, all you need is a quarterback. And if Teddy Bridgewater steps up or if it snowballs, I think they're in a good position either way. Um, Again, they have the pieces there, you know, and – if Teddy Bridgewater is able to be the Teddy Bridgewater that we kind of saw in Minnesota, um, I think they'll be all right. It'll be a very, very interesting team to keep your eye on for sure. Yeah, and that's that's definitely a, a great point there. Teddy Bridgewater has a lot to prove in his first full year as a starter. We'll see what happens, but the NFC South is definitely going to be a great division to watch this year when football is back. That's going to do it for us. We're in episode seven of Tackles and Turnovers. You know, Make sure to give us a follow on Twitter. Um, visit us on Facebook, facebook.com slash tackles and turnovers. Give us a like. Um, we're bringing out new content, new posts. We want to engage with you guys. We want to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor. Uh, we're going to probably be breaking out a YouTube channel soon as well. So follow us wherever you can. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. And we look forward to bringing you more NFL content. Next week we'll be hitting up the AFC, starting with the AFC East. A division that, on the other hand, is featuring all young quarterbacks, and that's going to be a great discussion, you know, with Andrew and I dueling it between the Dolphins and Pats, and we look forward to talking about that with you guys next week. So thanks for listening, and uh, take care.